All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. I'm your host, Andy, and as always, I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? Doing awesome, Andy. You know, it's, it's good to sit down and do this again because we have gotten to a time of year where, where college basketball is about to take center stage. It was really chilly outside when I got home and it like I got home right around seven and I was like in the mood to watch a Pac-12 tip off on, you know, on the Pac-12 network, even if it was like Washington Alcorn State or something. I just like I'm ready for it now. Yeah, it's that cool, crisp air that always pulls us back to Pac-12 basketball, West Coast basketball and Utah. Yeah, it's in the air for sure. And we're coming together today because it was media day today for the men's side, um, the women did the day before. And we're going to break down Oregon State's media response. We're going to break down their place in the preseason poll. We're going to break down a couple of players on first and second team preseason predictions. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. can't wait to hear that in Gill again. It's been so long. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very pleasant thing to stand in honor with everybody in the arena and, and shed a single tear as we hear that and, for the first time in a while. And hear that symbol just give everyone <laughs> chills down their spine. Mm-hmm. The symbol player always gets it. I wonder how hard it is to get the job as the symbol player in the band. That's like dot. That's like our dotting the I at Ohio State. It's like <laughs> to bang the symbol for the fight song. <laughs> uh, very true, um, Sam. I gotta say, I'm very proud of you because you wrote notes for this show. So, do you want to lead off? Where do you Where do you want to jump into as a man who came prepared? Um, do you want to do? Go over general media day, media day notes, or do you want to jump into the preseason polls? Yeah, we can, we'll do the preseason polls first. I have some thoughts on on both, but yeah, I uh, I knew you would be at uh, at work while this was being you know while during the live airing of it, and I wasn't sure if you were going to get a chance, so I I knew the pressure was on me to come come prepared today. And you know you always come through in the clutch, and I can say that with confidence because you're a great two-on-two basketball partner and a great podcast partner, always ready for the rock. Exactly. I rarely score in these two-on-two games of ours, but when I do, it's typically game point. It's always game point. Um, All right, well, let's jump into the preseason poll. So Oregon State this year, it's a new era because we are coming in ranked fourth, according to the media, with an asterisk tied for fourth but fourth in the Pac-12 coming into the season behind UCLA number one, Oregon number two, USC three, and then we're tied with Arizona for fourth. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, like, it, it does feel pretty cool. It's also kind of cool because the women were ranked fourth. It's probably been a very long time since each of them were both predicted to be in the top half, so shout-outs to them too. But, but yeah, I, I can't say – I have a huge problem with any of the three teams that are ranked ahead of them. I do think that Oregon and USC are kind of getting the benefit of the doubt for some reason. Like they, the Oregon lost Duarte and, and Um, I would say I'm with you. I think it makes, to me, it makes sense. Um, I'm first off, I'm shocked that the media 
is allowing Oregon State to rise this high. This is truly a new era to be ranked fourth by the media going to the Pac-12. Like that's that's a complete 180 from where we were last year. Not I a complete really, 180 because that would be first, but still a 174. It's I I was shocked by it. I don't know where I thought they would be. I guess I thought they'd be like sixth or seventh. Well, the three-man weave still had them at, like, ninth, I think, in their preseason prediction. So I was assuming that most of uh, the rest of the media would go along with kind of, like, their narrative. But it's glad to see Pac-12 people standing apart from the national hate. Yeah, I mean, in solidarity, we're all on the West Coast. We've all got to deal with the East Coast bias. And so it's nice to get some recognition somewhere. Yeah. I think the the three teams above Oregon State, to me, they make sense. Obviously, coming to this uh, year UCLA is going to be the overwhelming Pac-12 favorite because they went to the Final Four last year. They went toe to toe with Gonzaga. They bring back everybody, plus they add a five-star, one-and-done recruit. So obviously, they're going to be first place. And you saw that with they had 32 of the 34 um, first place votes. So overwhelming favorite. And, and I guess Oregon, I understand it. Yeah. I, I am a little surprised it was almost that unanimous, though. I think just uh, I think Johnny Juice ain't coming back swayed a lot of people, even though I think we're both in agreement that Jaime Hawkes is kind of the guy that we watch when we play UCLA. He's yeah, he's their glue guy. Tiger Campbell, too, was very important. I think if if you removed him and kept everything else the same, they would they would suffer from that, too. And, you know, I'm a sucker for Jules Bernard because he's just so swaggy. Yeah, we always have to love Jules Bernard because he missed one of those free throws with like 0.8 seconds left in that quarterfinal game. Get the man an honorary degree from Oregon State, a doctorate in something. I got to think, yeah, deep down, he, he pulled a, a what's-his-name from Finding Forrester. He was like, missing one of these is the right thing to do. <laughs> I say we put his jersey up right next to Cam Newton's. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, yeah. They're both number one. And they're both number one, exactly. Um, Oregon being number two, that makes sense because they return most of their players. Obviously, they lose Duarte, who's really good, but they return most of their players. Uh, plus, they add a couple of Juco studs uh, and a couple of good transfer players. And I think this is what? This is going to be their fourth. If they win this, it'll be their fourth year in a row winning the Pac-12, right? Last year was their third year in a row. Or, or at least a share of it, probably. Yeah. yeah. So, always safe to throw them up there. The one that kind of caught me off, I mean – it didn't catch me off because it makes sense, but I think people, I think they're not going to be as good as they started off as USC. Obviously, USC went to an Elite Eight last season, too, and they returned almost everybody except for Evan Mobley, who was a huge part of their team. But I don't know if I'm buying it early on, but I understand why they're ranked third. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting that the thing that the three, Oregon State, Oregon, and USC have in common is that they return every, almost everybody except their best player. Right. Which is sort yeah, that of is unusual. Uh, yeah, yeah it is. It's weird even for one team to be in that situation, let alone three. But I, the problem I have with Oregon and USC isn't them being two or three. Although I would have had Arizona three instead of USC, probably is that they're the, they're the only two teams though that got that have transfers that didn't play for them last year that are on the first or second team preseason. Twice. Yeah, so you want to say you want to segue over there? Sure. Okay, so yeah, so Oregon State finished fourth in the poll, and then um, let's see, where did Utah? Utah's tenth, so we'll keep our eye on them and see what Ken Palm does with that information. Hell yeah, yeah, I did catch their segment too. They're they're kind of searching for things to be optimistic about. 
<laughs> I imagine they are. Okay, yeah. First team, uh, all pack twelve. We got Warth Alatiche on there. Uh, so I think he's the first, first, first team preseason since Trace Tinkle graduated, right? Yeah, we have to be. Um, and then we also got um, Jared Lucas, second team uh, preseason all pack twelve. So that's that's big to have two players on uh, multiple. Preseason teams. Did that surprise you? It did surprise me because in my mind, I just didn't think people were ready for the truth, I guess is, is the best way I would put it. I didn't know people were coming around on the Beavers as a national, as a Pac-12 narrative. I didn't know people were accepting what they were seeing. I thought they were still going to be pushed back and we were going to have to be arguing, get Jared on the second team. He's the best shooter in the conference. But they rewarded him. They said, you know what? He is the best shooter in the conference. Let's put him on second team. I think with like Remy gone, yeah, there's clearly no other guy that's a shooter like him. He so he gets to have the crown. People are gonna fall in love with Lucash this year. Also, mm-hmm. get us a Lucash T-shirt, somebody, yeah, that's, please. That, yeah, that's tight. Um, and then Worth first team. I think that uh, you know we saw that coming. He was most outstanding player in the Pac-12 tournament last year. Um, so you come back from that. I think you you're kind of gifted the first team. Not that he didn't earn it, but he's gonna be one of the best. He's easily probably the best rebounder in the conference. He's going to be one of the best defenders, and we'll see where he's at on offense once the games get going. He'll get his baskets, even if his jumper isn't quite there. He's going to get so many offensive rebounds. He just gets gets points for himself that way. Yeah, it would have been a crime if he wasn't. I mean, I hate to be like make, make it a negative thing, but it really just does highlight how dumb it was not of the three-man weave podcast to not put him in their top 125 players in the country. So silly. So much hate. Um, I think it comes back that we bother them. <laughs> yes. I, 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 they, I th- yeah, they, they're friends with Ken Palm somewhere laughing at us right now. Probably. Sipping wine with Ken Palm. Sounds delightful. He does live in uh, Utah, yeah. What are the other notes from, do you have, from the preseason teams? UCLA got three first-team players. Tiger Campbell, uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr., and Johnny Juzang. Four players overall because – oh, no, I guess just three. I thought they gave the nod to the freshman, but apparently not. USC yeah. got two players. They got Isaiah Mobley, Evan Mobley's uh, older brother. And then they got Boogie Ellis. I don't know if I'm buying the Boogie Ellis hype. But that's my thing about USC is I don't know if – if you're depending on Boogie Ellis to be your second guy, I don't know if that's going to work out. Yeah, I, I would have. I would just prefer they would have chosen someone who was in the Pac-12 last year. I mean, because – Deshaun is better than him. Like it, it's it frustrates me that there are JUCO transfers that got that benefit of the doubt basically without playing in this conference yet, and he's not one of them. Davion Harmon, like we talked about um, last podcast, got a lot of uh, got a lot of love. He's the JUCO player for the Ducks. Yeah, and he's on the second team too, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll take a look out. Tabellis on Arizona, he got a second team. I think he's going to be has a case for Pac-12 player of the year. He might be a breakout star on that Arizona team. Him and Matherin both, yeah. They they each have a chance to me. Yeah, and Matherin was first team uh, preseason all-conference. Evan Beatty, we got to see Evan Beatty one more year. Hopefully, he was kind of skinny last year. Hopefully, he comes in large and in charge, as we love him in our hearts. Yeah, in speaking of that, Nate Roberts from Washington seems like he gained about 50 pounds of straight muscle. Like, whatever he was doing was effective. <laughs> yeah, we'll be curious to see how Washington is. They got 
did they get the Oregon State treatment? I'm looking at it right now, and I think they did. They got no players on first or second team all-conference, and they got put at 11th. They're right above Cal. The media is predicting Cal to finish last in the conference. Yeah, I've, I've, I wanted to resist making a note just shitting on Cal for a second, but that is a barren roster with, with Bradley gone. Oh, yeah. And Bradley, it seems like he kind of sidestepped because he went to University of San Diego, right? Which, yeah. in, in my mind, is not a bigger program than Cal. I just think that, you know, it's coming out of the COVID year and USD is probably a pretty fun place to be a basketball player if you're good. And so I'm happy for Matt Bradley. I mean, I'll miss watching him play more. Yeah. But. Yeah, that was an interesting transfer. But yeah, I saw that they brought, was it Antovich? Is it Antovich? I thought Ant- I, I saw that they brought him as their player to the media day. And I said, ooh, that's not a good sign for the team. And hit him and then the other big that's not even quite as good as him, who's also kind of fat. Oh, yeah, no. Kelly is his last name. Yeah, I saw that those really gas and I did not uh, disagree with their twelfth place prediction. It cra- It reminded me of like 2017-18 when Oregon State football, like who the, the, it wasn't really clear who to send to media day, so that it just seemed like they did a drill in practice to decide it. Like I don't know, there's no obvious face to this right now. Who's the fastest? <laughs> right, exactly. Who, If you can get to the 20 the quickest. Um, Noah Williams, uh, just because he was one of the only enemies of the state that you had who actually plays in the Pac-12 this upcoming year. Yeah. Uh, he got first team all prediction. He, I, I was surprised that Ogbegidi only got honorable mention. Yeah, that's and but you know why? Because we talked about it on the last podcast. There's only room in the Pac-12's heart for one player like that, and they gave the first team to War. They chose put- the right guy, but it is unfortunate. I mean, like I, I suppose Noah Williams getting first team. I was happy to see that, even if he is going to become one of the villains this year. Mm-hmm. And Agubi got honorable mention, so he's he's still in there somewhere. Oh, and I guess so did Pey- so did Peyton Watson, the UCLA freshman. So I knew they had four players technically. See, okay, fair enough. All right, well, let's jump into Oregon State's Pac-12 Media Day. Um, what did you think? What stood out to you? What's what's going on in your notes? Well, so the first one, uh, the, I love this, that uh, Scheffler got, got a shout-out, Coach Tinkle. Mm-hmm. He's a funny dude, and, and we've we've seen the way they interact, so that cracked me up. But um, uh, I have to say that Jordan Kent is just brutal. I not a lot of people want to do like go on this ledge with me, but I I've had multiple people tell me that like go off record that, that no, I'm not going to give away who they are, but they know who Jordan Kent is. I'll just say that there's no way to figure out who I'm talking about just on that fact. No, but they're like, yes, I, I agree with you. Cause I've made it my mission to kind of point out that he is like, that's I'm sorry. Jordan Kent is just unwatchable. Time. Was he was he the reporter who asked his question but prefaced this by saying he would never have bet anything? He would have bet everything against Oregon State making the Elite Eight last year? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he was the one that, that did the players interview. Right. Well, they're all up there on the stage at the same time, Wayne and both the players. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, no, the the coach sat to the, the side stage with uh, – I'm I'm sorry. I can't. What Don McLean? Yeah, 
Okay, see, I watched a different thing. I watched the Pac-12 YouTube highlight where the where Tinkle and Jared Lucas and Moral Altice were all sitting together, separate by a little table, and they were just answering oh, questions. Oh, I see. Okay, okay so we well, did see so we got interview. multiple stuff. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so what? I'll give you highlights for mine. One of my highlights was a reporter asked prefaced a question by a uh, because Wayne is a funny guy. I wanted to note this. A reporter pre- prefaced a question by saying, "You know, I watch you guys. I work in the Pac-12. I watched you guys a lot last year, and if you'd come to me and bet me that." Uh, Oregon State was going to make the Elite Eight in the middle of the year. I would have bet everything I had against you guys doing that. And Wayne just like uh, breaks in and goes, thanks for the support. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I th- this is the better one when more reporters get to ask questions. I just saw the generic one. Where Kastner got a question in mind. Oh, did he? Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked it. I, I, I mine had some good, some good little uh, notes in there. They said uh, they straight up. The first question was, are, "Is there any proclamations?" Because <laughs> um, uh, last year you promised you would not finish twelfth, and you know Wayne kind of talked about it's a different season. You know, it's a different occasion, and he guessed. He said, "I guess uh, I promise you we won't finish tied for fourth. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, because he he does come across really well in interviews. He's got quick wit. Yeah, he does a great job. He was funny with Don McLean. Don McLean kept claiming he was the best shooter in the building that day, which was a fun recurring bit. Mm, okay, there you go. Um, what else did you see? What what would they get from the players? Uh, not as much. Uh, they they. So one tidbit I did learn because they asked all the guys about NIL stuff, and with Lucas, it was that he's made shirts, and they were asking him, "Are you going to make another run of these shirts so more people can buy them?" And he didn't really give a committal answer, but he really should do that. But uh, apparently, I learned that UNLV players are getting free cars now. Whoa, that's so nice. yeah. So, so shoutouts to Jalen House for making a good decision transferring away from Arizona State to there. He does not go to UNLV. He doesn't? Where did we? No, no New Mexico. New, New Mexico. Mexico. Okay, well, same conference, same colors. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, one thing that I liked in uh, my press conference, they asked him who was going to replace Ethan Thompson. Um, the guy said that he'd been watching him. He thought he was one of the most underrated players in the country. And Wayne said it was going to be a committee. But he also – one thing I liked is he brought up Zach Reichel. He said, you know, we're not just going to miss Ethan. We're going to miss Zach, who was kind of like our blue-collar, everyday leader. And I've been telling the guys it's got to be a group coming together, and we got to have uh, no good – the leaders can't have bad days. They all – even if your shots aren't going in, you still have to be talking. So it sounds like he's putting a lot of emphasis. And he said he wants the players to drive the bus. He wants them to get to the point where they're driving the bus. If they do the things he's asking, they'll get the keys sooner than later. So I like putting the onus on the players to kind of take control of the team and try and force some new leaders to step up. It sounds like Warith and Jared Lucas have been really um, vocal in practice going forward. And we saw some of that when we were down there too. More so Absolutely. with Lucas. Yeah, Lucas especially. Uh, I think that expectation's on him. And he gave a lot of love to, to – uh, and appropriately so to both Thompson and Reichel. Right. And the other que- – because everybody wants to ask about Thompson when they're both going to be difficult to replace on some level. What I was frustrated by is that they had a graphic of key newcomers that was mm-hmm. uh, Shoal, Ahmad, I believe, Trey Williams, and then uh, Akono from Marquette. Right. Which um, I we love those guys. I think they could they all have a chance to be contributors, but they're mm-hmm. they're not even the top two newcomers on the team. No. 
No, I didn't see that graphic. So there was no Trey Williams on it, or there was. I, I they did have it. Trey Williams on it, but they didn't have Deshaun Davis or Xavier Malone Key, let alone Glenn Taylor, who who looked really good to us. Yeah, that was one thing I noticed too, um, and it just kind of reminded me. I was thinking back to last year's press conference and how Wayne kind of brought up um, Worth and talked about how if, you know if he mentioned it several times. If Worth plays, will be a lot. Will be really athletic. If Worth plays, will be good at defense. And he was kind of putting it on this player that none of us had seen. And that made me have a lot of faith in Morath before we even saw him play. And then obviously he backed it all up. But I've been kind of, it's curious to see um, him take the opposite approach with Deshaun Davis when we feel like he's a really hyped recruit for Oregon State and a really good player. So I'm wondering if this is a strategic thing, if this is like to motivate Deshaun, or if this is more of like, a, we're going to blitz the Pac 12 with this guy. Because it doesn't seem like anyone, it feels like for someone who's a first team All American Juco, guy who just went off this year on a magical juco run of his own it feels like he's kind of under the radar but yeah, maybe that's no, just juco basketball and that's and i no one minds that i mean he's getting his first little taste maybe of the beaver bias and it's good for him to learn about but yeah it does seem weird to me that like the evidence is there that it's not right. like it's unusual for a juco guy to come and be really good right away and he was no. his numbers were insane <laughs> Yeah, so I wonder if it's more of a slow play, if we're just trying to catch the Pac-12 off guard, or if it's a motivational tactic. But I guess we'll find out when the season comes. Do you think, just based off kind of like listening to the York press conference, my press conference, uh, seeing the preseason polls, who do you think are our five starters going into the year? Because it's kind of a split team. We have like six returners and six new guys who all bring a lot to the table. So what do you think happens? So I the uh, the only other person I think that he mentioned by name was Maurice Kalou, and he he was it was clearly a challenge. He he said that at times last year that he didn't rebound for us, and I think that's a direct quote. And so obvi- I think he's the X factor. But to me, it's it's Lucas is the most obvious, and Alatiche are the two obvious one. I think Silva probably starts again mm-hmm. as as the five, and then uh, Deshaun and, and Xavier. But it's really hard to say. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how the backcourt plays out. And just speaking, because you said he challenged um, Kalu, it just reminded me of a a little Jared Lucas story that popped up in my R interview. Or not an R interview, but the interview that I watched. And uh, (laughs) they were asking about times last year uh, where Wayne, they kind of have like turning points. And Wayne was talking about how they had a good set of games going and really buy in, and then some guys had started to take bad shots, and so he was giving them the quick pull, and they were giving them kind of dirty looks when they came out of the game. And he said Jared took a couple of, uh, you know, questionable <laughs> shots, as he's prone to do, and he pulled him out of the game. He says, I want you to take shots that you can make. And Jared said, like, but I think I can make that. <laughs> and I just thought that was the funniest, like, little image of Jared Lucas. It's exactly what I think he's like. <laughs> Right, yeah, it's what other answer would you expect him to give? He he believes they're all going in, and it kind of starts to convince you after a while. Yeah, I'm fully on board. We talked about being on the train last year, and we were we were close to getting off. We never fully did, but we, we started looking out the windows saying, this is kind of an interesting route. I didn't think this was the most direct path to our destination, but sometimes right. it's more about the journey. We, we never departed, but I was starting to be like a vocal passenger. Like I, I would, <laughs> I'm, I would like to maybe get off. I'm threatening to, but thank yeah, you. We didn't No, you were a vocal passenger, but you were able to be sedated with <laughs> after a couple of 40, 40 foot bombs. Exactly. Um, any other notes from your, uh, pac 12 conference? Uh, I, I love that. 
I didn't know PJ Carlissimo is now a, a part of Yeah, he asked a question of mine, too, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, so I'll be looking forward to see him doing Beaver games. And uh, uh, I didn't know much before today about this new alliance that the Pac-12 is starting with the H- uh, HBCU schools, and they're going to do, like, home and home. So those will be really cool games to watch, like USC going to Howard and stuff like that. Oh, that is cool. I didn't know about that. When you said alliance, I thought you meant the the gentleman's agreement between the ACC <laughs> and the Pac-12. I tried to formulate notes about that, but they don't. There's, it's just a bunch of nothing they're saying. Like I get they, it, all they did was make a gentleman's agreement. They don't even know to what yet. Yeah, exactly. They're not going on emails like John Gruden. They're keeping that stuff in the ether. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, it's a it, uh, good thing Larry Scott is out. I bet that guy had some some real shady stuff <laughs> he made him he, he he stole a bunch of money from the pac-12 he might have been on those email chains <laughs> yeah people have some some probably not nice things to say about him in those <laughs> for sure um any other notes or anything like that i thought it was interesting that marcus bagley got a uh, first team all conference preseason prediction because i we just didn't see him play that much last year and i thought that was a big leap of faith to kind of declare him the best player on Arizona state, especially when you have the Mac player of the year coming in, who I think is clearly going to be the guy. It's just so weird. It's like, it's just another example of like Arizona state being given an excuse. Like, so like if Bagley had played, maybe they wouldn't have sucked and been in ninth place last year. It just seems like, I don't know. Maybe he's not that amazing. And and they were overrated. It does seem like they're a little coddled a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and that was the other note. Is during, while I'm watching this, I got a DM on Twitter from friend of the pod, former guest OSU Ben, gambling hero and legend, and all that. And legend. Because uh, Remy Martin was named Big Twelve preseason Player of the Year. What are what are the people watching the games? Is anyone even watching the games? That's what he said. Is that like there's no way that anybody watched a bunch of Arizona State last year and was like yeah that guy on kansas will be their best player like come on people truly insane we gotta get max to do a deep dive on the arizona state media connections because i'm starting to think arizona state controls the media it 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 feels like it i just i just watched the new netflix documentary about the point shaving scandal they had in the mid 90s oh you'll have to check it out the first game that they did it successfully was against oregon state <laughs> it's just it was very perfect timing to watch that but like yeah they've always been just so hateable uh it truly they are all right any other notes or anything like that no that it was fun media day the the guys did great coach tinkle did great um cool hearing it, him talk about throwing the first pitch out yeah definitely and cool to hear about him talk about getting accepted into uh the montana hall of fame sports hall of fame well, as Bill Walton said, his game is basically a bigger Larry Bird, so <laughs> that's that's quite the baller. <laughs> All right, should we move on to shout-outs? Hell yeah. All right, do you have any shout-outs for us on our way I, out? I do have one. We, we found this was a big news day because I think this became official today that Isaac Bonton, forever PIL-adjacent Portland basketball legend, signed in Lithuania. He's going to be an Allen Iverson of Lithuania. Oh, yeah, he's going to dominate. Is he playing for one of the ball teams, one of the teams that the Ball Brothers played for? Oh, man, probably. Yeah, they're going to need need a dynamic point to replace someone like that. 
Yeah, that's true. They oh wow, yeah, he's gonna be the best player in the Lithuanian league since Lamelo graced the floors. I think he has the toughness for it because apparently that's like one of the less desirable places <laughs> to play. Like it's not as accommodating, and the players are still really good, so it's just tough. No, he's got such a big chip on his shoulder. I feel like that uh, he'll fit in perfectly there. He lo- he needs another challenge. Things got a little too cushy for him, I think, at Washington State. He's the type of guy who needs to be fighting against something. Yeah, he became a little bit of a darling when he was on, you know, out there in Pullman. So he needs <sighs> this. All right. Well, that's a good shout out. I like that. Uh, my shout out is to our new listener in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> oh, wow. The list who, just keeps growing. The list keeps growing. We've added the Cayman Islands. We've added Argentina and the UK. Funny yeah, that we, we got, got to all those before Azerbaijan <laughs> or after Azerbaijan. I just, I'll forever. Is it the same person you think? Like we just, just have a listener it. who's like a very rich, exuberant, worldly traveler or something. Yeah, I'm sure that's it. It's just one. Yeah, it's just one person. There's just a millionaire just jet setting around the world. But but listening to our podcast whenever right. it comes up. Yeah, when he's in Wi-Fi, when he's not in international waters. Yeah. Oh, God, that's really funny. Um, and I guess my only other shout out is to anyone who thinks about leaving us a like or review. I was looking at, we haven't got one in a while, but I know you listeners are out there. So if you haven't done it, throw one our way. We would love it. We'd read it on the air. Um, if you're the person in Azerbaijan, just let us know what's up. Let Say what's up, please. We want to hear from you. We have a lot of questions, frankly, yeah. Frankly, we do. All right, well, and honestly, I guess frankly as well, fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. All right, we'll see you all very soon.